Welcome to the podcast of Dreamers and Doers, where you will hear stories of the ones whose heads are in the clouds and feet firmly on the ground. This is your host, Kaysen Lim. Today, we are going to have a conversation with Aaron McManus. Aaron was with us during our collective conference last year where he was a guest speaker. Aaron is also the creative director of Mosaic, a community of faith based out of Los Angeles. But we're going to find out that the title creative director doesn't really cover even a bit of what he does. So today, we're going to talk about building leaders, building culture, and what is it like to grow up in a Christian family, but then having to find a faith of your own. Aaron, good to have you back here. Thank in you, KL. thank you, thank you. Are we recording? Are we gone? We were recording from the beginning, so. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Are we... Um, it's going to be the most chill on our wall. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So, glad to have you back in KL. It's so good to be back. Yeah. I love this city. What do you love about the city? You guys. And that's not, not right. like a cheap... <laughs> no, no, the people genuinely do make the city. Yes. I think you can go to really weird places in the world but you meet one good person and that city becomes magical uh-huh. and i think we've met an entire team of people who truly are on the same wavelength and a unique frequency mm-hmm. and we talk about this language back home in la of like this 52 hertz mm-hmm. the the frequency of the lonely the, whale the whale yeah yeah and i feel like with you guys we've found people who uh-huh. just feel like home for us. So the whales are not so lonely anymore. The whales are not so lonely anymore. <laughs> we found some Malaysian yeah, whales. whales. <laughs> <laughs> and like the last trip we, we had, it was so fun, but it was so packed with yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. I think we, I think my first, I spoke the first session, it was my first time preaching ever. And it rained. Yeah, really loudly. Really loudly. Yeah. Like thunderstorm. Yeah. And I literally looked up and just said, God, why do you hate me? <laughs> so it's just good to be back. And like, I've been thinking about it for a year, and it's just I'm uh-huh. excited to be back in the city and uh-huh. hang out with you guys. Yeah. 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 So uh, we, we, we prayed for rain. We prayed for rain. Yeah, just so that you get to really the whole experience. It has been kind of raining the last <laughs> 24 hours I've been here. So I hope it doesn't matter. I've, I've practiced. Yeah, yeah. I've practiced. With the rain sound you know, in the background. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I, I put the thunderstorm on on Spotify, mm-hmm. and I just preach as loud as I can. <laughs> You know, my roommates wonder if I'm okay or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, first thing you love about KL is the people. The people are incredible. Second thing that you love about KL. The food. Food. But I think it's, everything is generated by the people, right? <laughs> the food here is phenomenal. Like, the average spot uh-huh. is not average. Okay. It is so unique. And I was, I was eating breakfast this morning, and there were just fruits that I'd never seen in my life. I was just trying everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I made a deal with myself that at every place that we go to this week, I'm going to order something that I do not understand. <laughs> like nasi lemak yesterday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or the, was the iga? Iga bakar. Iga was oh, for, for dinner. For dinner. Yeah. With like the spicy yeah. short rib. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. You've been doing well? Doing well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The spicy is good. I like the spicy. Yeah. Yeah. I have some Latin in me. Yeah. yeah. Let's keep it up, man. Yeah. Yeah. So... For people who do not know, okay. uh, what's your official role and title in Mosaic? And you're trying to basically what? what, what trying to pick a fight. What now. do they pay you for? I, <laughs> I think they pay me to stay away. <laughs> no, I, my title has changed a lot over the last five years. Mm-hmm. This will be my sixth year being at church. I was living in New York City for a few years before that, and obviously I grew up in Mosaic and and kind of what what it what it was before Mosaic and. But every 10 or so years, Mosaic really changes. So right before I moved to New York, they had locked in 
the Hollywood loca- location, Hollywood campus, which is now our flagship on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and La Brea. And then I went to New York. So I'd been in a few services. I think when I'd come home for Christmas, I'd, I'd see it, but I wasn't connected. And, and then started watching the live stream and really falling kind of back into a relationship with Jesus, um, being really just attentive and paying attention to the brand of what Mosaic was and, and being in New York City, meeting a lot of people who really loved what we did. Um, and I think I took credit for more than I was involved for at the time. I was like, yeah, that's my family. Yeah, those are my people. And then when I came back, I, I started with social media and kind of grew that and it kind of turned into creative direction. And then I found a really lovely, intelligent, just mind-blowing human named Tess Roy who took that role over from me. And I kind of play this in-between role of I help, I don't have an official title. I think my official title is creative director, even though I don't necessarily creative direct as much anymore. Um, I look after new campuses. So I, my home campus is Mosaic Venice in Venice Beach, California on Apikini, which is incredible. It's one of the coolest streets mm-hmm. in the world. And, but I have an incredible like location pastor, Carlos Pimentel and his wife, Zoti, who look after the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. I pop in from Venice to OC, to Hollywood, to, to Seattle, to Mexico City. I preach, and, and so a lot of that this year, 2019, has been me learning and taking on new things. Mm-hmm. So whether it's pastoring people and help strategizing like new ways to reach people, mm-hmm. or kind of building into relationships of like the main pastors in the different cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That makes sense. So I don't know what that's called, like R and D. It calls it's, it's um, there's a term for this. Yes. Uh, in my dialect, it's called yeah. paukaleo. Paukaleo means uh, we wrap everything. We wrap everything. Yeah. yeah. You basically do everything. Yeah. yeah. So I get to do a little bit of everything, which yeah. is good. But it's it's brought up its own challenges. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but if you could just pick one thing to do, pick one thing to do. Yeah. What would you do? I love building leaders. Like, that is my one thing that I love to do. Like, creative is fun. But I think we're all creative. I love building leaders. I love finding young people and kind of picking people going, I think this person's going to be the next, you know, mm-hmm. Pastor Kevin mm-hmm. or Kaysen mm-hmm. or AD over there. You know? So do you intentionally scout them out or it's more just... Yeah, that's the, probably the most addicting thing for me about ministry. It's like, I'm like, tell me who you have. Mm-hmm. Show me the people that you've got, and I want to meet the new people. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty introverted, so I don't like meeting all people. I just want to meet the people that, that the pastors think, are like, okay, these are the next guys. Yeah. And I kind of want to get to know them and mm-hmm. build into them and love on them. So, yeah. So the, um, since we're talking about this, the way you guys do it at Mosaic, because I've been there, and I see... You've been I, one time, conference. Three times. Three times, yeah. Because yeah. you've been the last couple of years. Yeah. 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 Okay. And one thing that I've seen in, in, in uh, that's really obvious, it's basically the culture yeah. that's uh, sort of ingrained yeah. into the people there. Yeah. And how do you guys do that? Is there like a process? Is it like a, it's a training course? You know, which I don't think so. <laughs> There's no and, course. And yeah. So like, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the willingness the people that you meet with great culture at Mosaic, because I think like any organization or any church, there's tons of people who are like semi-bought in yeah. or not quite bought in yet, yeah. which in every space you need the room for, mm-hmm. the people who are on their way to. Um, I think it's the people who are willing to do anything. 
you know, last, I'm reminded of, not this last Easter, Easter 2019, but 2018 Easter, we needed to do like a, a cleanup of our main campus in Hollywood. We had just launched six campuses this year. And Pastor Emerson, who was living in Emerson, Hawaii, who was living in Mexico City at the time, he had just moved maybe three months before I was living in Venice. And we got the call from our bosses saying, hey, we need to do some upkeep. We need to redo like four bathrooms. I think it's like six bathrooms and redo all the lobbies. And this needs to get done in two weeks before Easter. So I flew Emerson up and me, Emerson, and like half of the, I mean, all of the boys on the teams spent the next two weeks on the ground ripping up tile and bathrooms and going to dumpster runs. And, and we're both looking after hundreds of people. Emerson's looking after a few thousand now. Mm-hmm. And I remind people whenever, I, I think whenever our leaders ask, like, how did you get to this level? I'm like, you never leave that level yeah. of being a bathroom cleaner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't matter how many perks or how many fun things you get to do. I never left that role of like cleaning the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And I still remember throwing away the t-shirt that I wore to the dump because it had rained the night before and everything was just filthy oh, and it smells gosh. like, you know, yeah. and just pee and everything and, and going to the dump and going, okay, okay, God, like I think I'm really cool in my campus in Venice and no one will know about this. But, it, but I think those, those are the things and the guys and the, the men and the women who are so bought in are those people who are willing to do anything, serve at all costs. Mm-hmm. Um, they sacrifice moments in their career, moments in their families to just be a part of something beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the coolest people bring their families into it, bring their careers into it. And, and I love the culture we've built. I think a lot of it is service. I think a lot of it is, is, is going against the grain of our city. The city is very much a city of like people trying to get more influence and become more famous, especially in the entertainment industry. And our people really do have this this mentality of I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to work really hard, and God's going to bring what He brings, and, and elevating each other. And I think that's been like a core thing of our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And uh, yeah. and like I said, I see it in of course not everyone, but enough people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. That, I, that I can sense that, uh, and I experience that as a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not something that you guys just say on stage. But you guys, you guys have a pretty cool culture. Yeah, we try yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, like you guys were, you guys, you guys have, you guys enjoy hanging out and having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. Yeah. Although we feel like killing each other sometimes, but yeah, I think AD over there was. I, I just nicknamed her. I don't know why I nicknamed her. She's telling me she's like, I hang out with too many church people, and I'm like, Welcome to the world. You're welcome to the welcome world. To, you know, um, if you're doing your job well, you're gonna have more and more people who know God. So, yeah. You know. You, you mentioned you were in uh, New York for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you could just share that part of your that, journey, your yeah. life. So I was 22 and 23. My dad had started a company. I had worked for that company for, I guess, four years at that time. And it had grown from kind of like this little studio of, of entrepreneurs that were kind of just creating different little projects, shooting films, building clothing kind of companies and branding companies and in which he was investing in to kind of this multi-office 30 or 40 employees in downtown LA in a really cool space with five companies attached to it that were doing really well and I came in as like the janitor again 
and in college and kind of worked my way up to like running production and being a part of our like fashion labels and 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 then kind of took a role under one of the creative directors just to learn and, and kind of glean off of what he was doing and and when our business partner kind of pulled out and we lost a ton of money uh, I lost my job and and it was one of those weird occurrences where I had met I was at a crossroads where I had kind of met Jesus again mm. and realized that I'd, I always believed in God, but I didn't um, believe in living like Jesus. And so I knew that there was a calling on my life, or at least I had heard that there was, and I just hadn't chosen to like accept that. And so I was going down this interesting road of like figuring out what that meant. And so when my dad was like, hey, the company's gone. I'm not going to sue the people. I'm just going to let it go. This is like a different path that God's called me to. I just said, okay, and tithed for the first time to church mm-hmm. that day. Uh-huh. And I don't think I had been in Mosaic in ages. I just knew that it was on my heart. I was like, okay, God, if some, this is a moment where something's happening. Things are being surrendered. Things are being sacrificed. And I'm kind of the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I'm getting fired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're getting let go. And so I gave what to me was a lot of money at the time. And, and then bought a ticket to New York and said, I'm going to go to New York and close up our New York office and uh, our place out there and, and, and let the guys know what's going on. And so I went to New York and two weeks later, my dad met me and I said, Dad, I think I'm going to move here. I think I'm going to stay here. And he, I said, I, I feel like God's speaking to me here and I need to be here. And, and I knew that this was the time I was going to be able to do it. So God was really moving and, and, and I had walked into a nightclub and the door guy of the nightclub the guy named Matt Oliver, he said, hey, Aaron, come into the club. And, and I was walking by it, and I was kind of freaked out because I knew we had met, but I didn't, like, in the chaos of it all, I didn't re- really recognize it, and it was kind of a hectic moment. And I was like, I don't want to go in there. And he's like, okay, well, then go to church with me tomorrow. And I said, I don't do that. I don't want to go to church with you. And he's just one of those people who refused to give up on me. Mm. And, and we're, in L.A., I think I had grown up around people who had, known me to be something that I had projected, you know, like, oh, I'm a good kid. Yeah. And I was still really going through a lot internally in and, and my character and who I was becoming. And my worldview was really being shaped by me hiding a lot of who I was. So going to New York, it was like me finding a new space, a new season, and uh, for the first time choosing to be authentic and who I am and transparent, going, I'm kind of rough around the edges. I don't know if I believe in the way of Jesus and, and how do I reconcile that. And so I was there, ended up getting really involved in a church there in New York City, and then ended up working for a company called Saint Laurent, so YSL, mm-hmm. and got back into fashion and, and, and left that about a year in to, to go back to Mosaic and, and, and be a part of the church. I knew God had called me back home. Wow. Yeah. So you mentioned that um, you got to know Jesus again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So prior to that point, um, if you don't mind sharing, what, what was that like? That those years where I don't know. I mean, you grew up yeah, in church. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, for sure. Pastor's kid and mm-hmm. and all the stereotype that comes with it, yeah. fairly or unfairly. So yeah, uh, yeah. If, if you don't mind sharing that part, growing up in this kind of life, and then um, yeah. Yeah, and seeking for a faith for yourself and not just the faith of your father yeah, and mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah my, I grew up with two different kind of parenting styles. 
My dad really let me have my own faith. My mom demanded it, which all good mothers <laughs> yeah, really do. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. I think looking back, I, yes. I was resentful in the moment, bitter in the moment. And looking back, I'm like, oh, you were the one who ref- you actually refused to give up on me, you know? Mm. And, and I realized how much they actually did love me in that process. But I think growing up in church, Mosaic came out of a church. It was a Saturday night service of a different church. It was like an old Baptist church that they invited my dad in to take it over. And in that process, the pastor had decided to stay for five years. And so I was really young, like four or five years old when he, that process was going on. So from like five to 10, I grew up realizing now looking back, I was growing up with a ton of anxiety in a really, or, or amongst people who had lots of anxiety, a lot of stress high shame and guilt culture where you know people were villainizing my dad when he had no desire to be the guy he was invited to be the guy and then once he accepted it and it grew that that the the main guy had come back and said Mm -hmm. i I still kind of want this still and i think i think i watched that going i wasn't mad at that guy i was more mad at my dad for staying Mm -hmm. in this kind of horrible situation of a church and he had made a 15-year commitment, and so he was going to hold to that. Wow. And I told him, I said, why are you holding to something that doesn't want to hold on to you? You know. And as a kid, I was having to wrestle with really deep spiritual and intellectual concepts that I don't think a really a six-year-old can, 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 can break down internally and so in process. And so I think it came up later in my like 17, 18, 19 years old when we were getting death threats and, and there was people showing up to the houses and, and um, to the house and, and I was away at college my first year and getting calls from my little sister saying there's men at the door trying to get in oh. and, and I would, was home during the summer and guys showing up with, you know, masks and hoods and... Oh, all because of? Because of my dad's controversy. Mm-hmm. And, and my dad, I guess, was a controversial figure because he believed in things like everyone's creative that God has created us to be creative. And, and this, these things that are so s- silly now, because mm-hmm. most of the, mm-hmm. the world and the church would actually embrace this. Worship should be fun. Yeah. Worship should be good. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that, yeah. that dance can be a part of church, that art can be a part of church, that, that, that design and things should be beautiful and mm-hmm. true. And, and that at the time, and I think the way, and I think he had kind of gotten plugged into a group you know, and we don't have to go too into it, but got it plugged into a group of theologians who he was just friends with, but didn't agree with. And it's so funny how, like, when we project intention mm-hmm. that, you know, he wrote a forward of a guy's book and it was his first book and it wasn't that big. And then he wrote other books that were far more controversial. And so people projected the controversy onto my dad. Mm-hmm. And then these guys took it in to a place. And so I grew up in a world where everyone who wasn't a Christian was kind and, and accepting and loving and open. And everyone who was a Christian was really mean, mm-hmm. really unkind, really judgmental, judgmental yeah. shame, shaming, guilting, and abusive. Mm-hmm. Like just physically, whether I was getting fights at Christian schools or, or I was bullied from the age of like, you know, seven to, to 14 every day, getting beat up and fighting back. And, and so, so I think by the time I was 18 and 19, I was like, okay, I can legally make my own choices. I'm going to start making my own choices. And I had pretty much written off the church. And so I, I loved my sister and I loved my dad and my mom, but I had pretty much said, Christians, I'm done with. And I'm, but I love my family. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'd still pop into church every once in a while. Like I wasn't completely disconnected, but there was an internal separation and disconnection that I just didn't let externalize. So if people met me out, they still knew me as like a part of Mosaic and a part of my dad's world. And I always uh, valued the association with my dad. I loved being a part of my dad's life Mm -hmm. and my mom's life and my sister's. But I did not love the connection to Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, 19 to 23, I was pretty wild in all aspects of life. And, and, And I don't think I was as bad as most young college American or international kids. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was like against what I knew was right. And so I think anything beyond that, that, um, that foundation and of what I knew to be spiritually acceptable and physically acceptable and emotionally acceptable was still like me breaking my own soul apart. Mm -hmm. And so 23, I'm in this place where I'm realizing kind of my life is literally falling apart financially relationally and the girl I was wanting to marry was breaking up with me like losing the company losing everything I had and then realizing that I was finding Jesus in it all and it was kind of it's kind of cheesy because it's like that is the story Mm -hmm. but the way that it happened was was just wild you know and from people friends of mine that died and they're on the same season that like God it felt like was just waking me up every time I tried to fall asleep again and and so I decided that that was the time I needed to change things mm-hmm. up. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I came back to LA and at Mosaic, leaving a really safe situation, an amazing church that loved me, mm-hmm. with an amazing pastor who saw the future in me, saw my potential. And, I, and he is awesome mm-hmm. and he is cool. And he surrounded me with really cool and awesome people. For me to go back to Mosaic, was for me to go back to a really tumultuous situation where there were still the elders of the old church. And it was still in that process mm-hmm. 15 years later of the old church kind of releasing my dad and Mosaic into like a new season. So when I came back, I had, you know, familial, I, I made my family make some commitments of like, we're going to move into a new season. I can't come back and this be the next 15 mm-hmm. years. And so Mosaic, they let me, they let me kind of be a wrecking ball and I'm grateful. And, and people ask like, how did you change the culture in five years? Because pretty much everyone who worked for my dad in those five years when I got there is gone. (laughs) Maybe minus like the 10, maybe like five or six solid people who were there far before me. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe eight of them. Yeah. Everyone else is gone. And I cleared out probably hundreds of people that when, they, when I came back, I was so rough and so unpolished that they were just like, you're picking this kid over all of us. And, and I think my dad, it never was about, it was never about him handing a church over to me. It was about him creating a space where I could get my character. I think you realize you have a calling in life, but then, then, then your character has to catch up. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm grateful for the people who who at my, at their expense, gave me grace, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and for me, the church, especially Mosaic, has been a place that has incubated a environment for healing. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I really enjoy about all of you is that you really love your family. Yeah, we do. And yeah. you don't just say that, but it, it is expressed. Yeah. And uh, you talk about your dad a lot, and you guys always want to be together. Yeah. So... Having someone like Pastor Irwin as your dad, yeah. I think it's inevitable that 
someone will ask, do you feel like you live in his shadow? And yeah. uh, do you feel you have to live up to a certain standard? Because yeah. I, I really don't see that. Yeah. But, but, but of course, that's what I see. Yeah, no, yeah. I, think, so, I think, you know, especially being friends with other really well-known pastor's kids, and by friends, meaning I, I, I'm pretty socially, like I'm a, I realized this morning that I'm a bad friend. <laughs> and, I, and that I've got to change how I'm friends with the next season of friends because I'm not someone who's like needs to text all the time or even needs to like see you all the time. If we liked each other and had good memories, I consider us friends forever. Mm, okay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so, so, sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but, but like these pastors, kids that are older than me and, and far more successful, watching them and their relationships with their dads, I learned a lot. Some of them good, some of them bad. Some of them really broken, some of them really fighting through hard things and got to really great places. I realized that like, if there was anything that I wanted to be was never someone who lived in the shadows. And so like the, the, the quip or the, the cheesy response is I always say that he, I live in the shade, mm. you know, which yeah. has its own set of problems, but that I get to live in the shadow. And it's a beautiful thing, yeah, yeah. you know? And that when I'm ready to come out, I will hopefully have grown so strong that I will be able to manage uh, taking whether whatever it is, a company, Mosaic, our family to another place. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and so this season, I think I've accepted it. At 31, I realized I know nothing. Mm. At 21, I thought I knew everything. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's the American arrogance, or maybe it's just my arrogance. It's but, a sign of maturity right now, I guess. Yeah, so 31, I'm like, <laughs> I know nothing in the scheme of the universe yeah. in context. So I'm, I'm just posturing myself to be in a place where I can kind of like help keep the different projects we have going, you know? Yeah. And, and my identity is in my dad. And I think it's a human, it's a human metaphor of, of, of Jesus and his father, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't mean that in a cheesy way, but I go, that's, a, that's I, if, if I get, I had, when I moved back to LA, there was a lot of antagonism from the place I was leaving from certain people, not everyone, and definitely not the main guy. But I remember a girl looked at me and said, are you gonna go back to LA and just be a daddy's boy forever? And I was like, no, I, that's my dad. Like, of course, like I'm not gonna, I responded with, I'm gonna go help build something I think is beautiful. Mm. And, but I think it's, it's seen as you're not being your own man. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm going, no, I am being my own man and I've chosen to to reinforce the legacy my dad's building. Mm-hmm. And, and by that is like identifying leaders. Yeah. A lot of leaders left when I came back because they thought it was, you know, my dad, Erwin, and then me. Mm. And I was like, that's not how God's kingdom works. Yeah. I said, we're gonna build a church so big that there's gonna be lots of me's, sons yeah. in the house, daughters yeah. in the house who are leading campuses. Yeah. And so, for me, I look at it like I, I, I get the shadow and I try to spread yeah. it. You know, there is like a, a spiritual covering and an advantage, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and so I try to release that on so many people. And, and there's a lot of amazing young guys in L.A. who I think receive that, yeah. you know. And, I, and, I, and I, like I said, I see that when I yeah. look at the both yeah, of yeah. you interact with each other. No, but I think it's, it's a good question, right? Like I think there's, there's a lot of sons who... 
there's a lot of dads who don't release their sons. Yeah. You know, I have a dad who's like, go do it, go yeah. fail. You know, and I'm afraid of failing. He wants me to fail more than I do. And I'm so afraid of failing, you know. I planted now, I guess, two campuses up close, four at a distance. And and I remember go, being in the back, like having panic attacks, being like, no one's going to show up. <laughs> you know, realizing that that wasn't the point. <laughs> you know, like it is the point. You want people to show up and want yeah. people's lives to be changed at church. But you also like realize there's a season for everything. And I think I always, that's where the greatness, the shadow is tough. Mm. I'm like, man, everything I touch should grow. Yeah. But it, it is, But I think the reality is that it's like everything I really work hard at has a potential to grow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You guys work hard. I, we, I think we work, yeah, we work hard. We do work hard, yeah. you know? Okay. Two more questions and we'll, we'll end. Um, okay, cool. I think one of two things that we, we talk about quite a bit, um, music and food. Yeah. We're all, I don't think we, we always talk about so, music and food. So, uh, <laughs> Top three bands right now. Oh, top artists. three bands? Yeah, right now. Okay. For you. <laughs> like, all time? All time is, is great, but if no... But like, new ones. Yeah. Um, well, well, let's do all time. All time. Yeah. You see, this is the thing. My all time and my personal all time are just different. Like, I can acknowledge greatness, but my... Your my, personal all time. My personal... My, probably my personal all time right now is, is Bon Iver. Bon Iver? Yeah. Bon Iver, The National, and... And James Blake would probably James be three. Okay. With with some others mixed in there. All right. I'm with you on two. That's why we can be friends. Who, which, who's your third? The one? National and Bonavera. And uh, man, I don't have a third right now. Yeah, I think it would change. Yeah, it changes, but those two. But like, honestly, the, the three, my phone's up in, in the room charging. Um, the three new ones, like I, there's a new guy named Dominic Fike. Okay. Dominic Fike. Is incredible. All right, this, he's this kid from L, from Florida, I think. Unreal. Just got signed. His music is going to change the game. Kevin right. Abstract from Brockhampton. I love his record. Okay. I can't re- recommend this to anyone listening to this podcast. If you listen, listen at your own <laughs> risk. All right. I don't really listen to the, the the lyrics, and then I look back and I'm like, I shouldn't have posted about <laughs> that. I have tons of youth kids, but great, great, interesting music. And and I, the reason I recommend them is because one, they're kids who are like one person away from coming to church. Mm. So they've almost, I've almost got both of mm. them. I'm gonna go see Dom in a few weeks at his show, so I'm hoping to get him afterwards. Um, and then Raya, my little sister's mm. band. Yeah, I was gonna mention that. She's awesome. Yeah. And she honestly, like, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't good, but it's really good. She is. Yeah, she's good. Yeah. But those three. All right. Yeah. Last question. Last question. If you could just have one type of food, a cuisine, every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Why are you doing this to me right now? Come on, man. You're the only one that I've asked this. One anyway. type of food for the rest yeah. of my life? Yeah, you can't cop out and say Asian or Mexican because it's just too wide. So, no, like straight, like straight like up. Straight, like the, say tacos the, every day. Yeah, the for thing the rest that of, yeah, I eat thing. the most that yeah. I would go back to 100% every day I leave Mexico and I come back to LA and I go and eat El Pastor tacos. El Pastor tacos. El Pastor tacos from a little taco spot on Lincoln in Venice. Mm-hmm. Everything's a dollar. And it's so unequal in value. <laughs> you get like a quesadilla that's massive and it's a dollar or you get like a taco and it's a dollar. Okay. Best spot. Tacos for life. Tacos for like El Pastor tacos. Okay. I'm not copying out. <laughs> what, would, what would be your go-to food? Chicken rice. Chicken rice? Yeah. Like no seasoning, just like plain chicken rice? It's uh, fragrant rice. Okay, fragrant uh, rice. Okay. Roast chicken for me. Roast chicken. You can okay. have steam as well. 
and there'll be cucumbers there as well. So it's a balanced meal. It's a balanced meal. You get the carbs, you get the protein, and you get the veggies. Is like cucumber really considered a veggie though? It, it is now. It is? No, it's like a sad fruit. <laughs> it's like not, like, it's like watered, watered down broccoli. I'll take that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. Of course. Thanks for having me. That's all we have for the show today. Thank you for tuning in. Do leave us a review or drop us a note. And to all you dreamers and doers out there, keep your head in the clouds and your feet firmly on the ground. See you next time.